Hey, everybody. It's the Pick 6 Podcast. It's the last day with me as the host, Ryan Wilson, but uh, I am joined by John Breach and Sean Wagner. Megaf, as Will Brinson wraps up uh, what I'm assuming is his last few days at Disney World. The last I saw Brinson, uh, he continues to tweet at a rapid pace. He's tweeted more at Disney World than i tweeted over the last month. But the last I saw, he was sitting with Tigger, drinking $10 pop beers. Do you guys have any thoughts on, on how Will's trip's going, John? I'm surprised he's still alive. Like, that is – if you're a parent, you either love it or hate it there or you just drink beer until you don't care. And I think Brinson went the route C. Hey, Sean, we didn't ask you last time. Have you ever been to Disney World or Land? Land, not World. It'll come as no big surprise that my only, like, tangible memory of Disneyland – was going on that Star Wars ride where you like sit in the theater and you like oh, yeah. look you look you look up and you're like a character and then I remember we you go out and they make you walk through the the gift shop and of I course. was devastated when my dad wouldn't let me buy me anything but then on the last day he took me back um, and got me a little X wing so I was fond memories of Disneyland good parenting for your dad till the end there and he he succumbed I would have punished you just for even asking for something bring your own money Sean that's what I tell my kids. Actually, the Disney World Star Wars ride is 3D. I don't know if it was yours 3D, Sean. No, I mean, this was also, I mean, how recently did you go? Because this was. 2014. Yeah, see, this was, I was probably, God, I was probably like six or something. So. Sean, there have been 3D movies since the 1950s. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying that. It's not impossible. <laughs> yeah, so the 3D thing we went on was, um, I think Brent, Brentson was actually at that park the other day. I don't know if he did the Star Wars thing, but at the time, my son was two. And he he actually fell out of his chair because he thought it was real with his 3D glasses on when the because the, the ship would shake and stuff and that was the highlight of the trip for me. All right, so Brinson presumably will be back in a few days. I'm sure he'll make some excuses why he can't work next week, so maybe we'll be back hosting the show. All right, John, we'll start with you because you've been busy adding to the editorial side of uh, CBSSports.com with your fancy words. Ziggy Ansah signed with the Steelers. Uh, Steelers, that would be something. He signed with the Seahawks. But there was some sort of dispute. I don't know if you saw this with Brandon being the, the GM of the Bills, who went on, I think, local radio and said the initial report that Ziggy was headed to Seattle was, quote unquote, garbage. We won't say who the initial reporter was, but it turns out that that report was right. Uh, so I guess there was some conversation about him going to, to Buffalo, which made some sense. But he ends up in, in Seattle and they just got rid of Frank Clark. They got that first round pick. They drafted LJ Collier. So are they set at edge rusher? Are they looking good in that division? What do you got? Uh, yes and yes. And here's the thing, you know, like Schefter reported the shoulder injury, unless the Seahawks doctors are blind. I don't think any of this is a surprise to the Seahawks. I'm sure they did their homework. They probably already know that, Hey, this guy's got to recover for a few months. So I don't think that's a big deal. And also the bills were in on this. Like you just mentioned, so like the bills wouldn't be competing for a player. If his arms about to fall off or his shoulder needs uh reconstructive surgery. So I, if I'm a Seahawks fan, I wouldn't be too concerned with the Ziggy shoulder stuff. But also, here's the thing, is that this is classic Seahawks. This is, hey, you know what? We're not going to pay Frank Clark $100 million over the next five years. You know, this is the Seahawks team that let Richard Sherman walk, let Earl Thomas walk. Uh, we're not going to give Frank Clark money. And instead, they turn it, as you just said, into LJ Collier. Uh, and now they have Ziggy Ansa. And how much does that cost them total? Even if you include all four years of Collier's first round contract, I think it's under $20 million for Ansa. One year of Ansa, four years of Collier. Uh, so that's one fifth the price of one Frank Clark. So to me, I love these moves. 
Seahawks. I'm always on the Seahawks bandwagon. This is just the Seahawks are smart and they keep doing smart things. Also, hey, Sean, so Frank Clark led the Seahawks last year with 13 sacks. Do you know who was number two in Seattle in sacks last year? Um, oh, he had 10 and a half sacks. I don't know why. Nice. Look at you. Are right you cheating? Now. No, I'm not cheating. Uh, he, he did a, why am I forgetting his name? He's best friends with Frank Clark. He tweeted right when it happened, like, my best friend just got traded. Just, oh, yeah, just say the name. I don't know Drone, why I'm Drone Reed. Yes. Well done. Um, didn't have sacks, though. So, uh, you're Seattle. Have you lived in Seattle or just your parents? I mean, I grew up in the Seattle area. All right, so I Bill. Spent, I spent 18 years of my life there. Does that qualify me? Yeah. You don't have to get a, an attitude about it. You have a Seattle attitude all of a sudden, Kurt Cobain. Settle down. Uh, do you have any thoughts on uh, Ziggy Ansa? You know who Kurt Cobain is? <laughs> do I know who? Okay. We're just going <laughs> to go for that. Um, he died when you were born. He died I, in 1994. So he died before you were born. That's unbelievable. Oh, my God. Wait a minute. Stop it. I was born. He was born. Oh, you were a year old. Sorry. I was two years old. So, correct. Holy crap. All right. Anyway. Um, Look, I kind of. That was the year Sean went to Disneyland. <laughs> I was in Disneyland when it happened. Um, no, I actually kind of think the Anza injury stuff is a little bit overblown. And I know he has a shoulder problem right now, which is concerning. But if you go through his like game logs, this isn't a guy who has missed a bunch of games throughout his career. He's actually been pretty healthy. And I feel like any football player, if you play long enough, if you're entering your seventh season, you're going to have one major injury at some point. That's kind of just inevitable. And if you also look at how well he played last year, even when when he was able able to play, which wasn't very much, he only played seven games, he was still, according to Pro Football Focus, first among edge rushers in pass rushing uh, productivity. Uh, with 20 pressures on 101 pass rushing snaps. So I love the move. I think it's a great little buy low. It would not surprise me if he is that guy who's 12 sacks. We've seen him do it twice before, hit double digits. Breach just mentioned it. It's a lot cheaper than Frank Clark. It's not many years. He could play well, and then you could find a way to keep him around. Um, worst case, he leaves, and maybe you get a compensatory pick. So I, I love the move for them, and I think his injury stuff might be a little bit overblown. He's had one bad injury year. Yes, it just happened, um, but it, it seems like it's football. Everyone has a bad injury year at some point. Yeah, Schefter reported that he might actually miss the first month of the season. David Chow, the former orthopedic surgeon for the uh, Chargers, who I think writes for the San Diego Tribune. What is it? Tribune? What's it called? Union Tribune. Thank you. Um, he occasionally writes for them, and he said that that seems like it might be a stretch, that he doesn't expect him to be out that long. We'll see. Is this a hot take? I actually feel like Seattle could win that division. That is a super not hot take. You sound like Brinson right now. That sounds like some Brinson would say. He but picked you know the Seahawks last year. They win the I don't think. Hey, I picked the Seahawks to go ten and six, and that's what they did. Sean Swimmy McGuff. Uh, <laughs> so what's the crystal ball telling you now? Well, the crystal ball is telling me that Ryan's pick prediction is not that crazy. Why do you have an issue with that, Sean? I I don't. I think it's a little bit bold. Um, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if they, I wouldn't be shocked if they won. I would be surprised. I still think the Rams are the best team in that division. Golf could um, regress. Your boy Goff Golf could. I mean, if Goff plays the way that he played in the playoffs and in general over the second half of the season, yeah, that could be a major problem. Russell Wilson um, has deep threats now. And not to mention the Seahawks played the Rams really well last year and they lost two really tight games, if I remember correctly. So. I wouldn't. I think those games are tight either way. It kind of feels like the division will come down to who wins their two head-to-head matchups. Well, you know, so it's funny. Anyone, 
Well, real quick, I'll say the dark horse in that division is the 49ers, and that will be the Brinson pick. I guarantee it. That's my prediction. Is that Brinson's pick is the 49ers to win. The I don't game. like that. Anyone worried about Jimmy GQ or Kyler Murray? No, I think Chuck the 49ers could win like eight games. That's anyway. amazing. That's that's a victory for the 49ers. Yeah, but they're that? not they're not winning the division. All right, we're going to talk more about this. I think Ryan just muted himself. Uh, muted myself. <laughs> that was a gap. So Ryan was actually talking, and we could. His mouth was moving, but no one could hear him. I do this once a week on the on the podcast. That I was is actually, why old people shouldn't be allowed on the internet. I know. I was making fun of you too, John. That's the worst part. So I can't. <laughs> I can't do it again, or can I? I was going to say we're moving on from this. We're going to talk about the Seahawks later, um, along some other teams that have Super Super Bowl aspirations. But you wrote about uh, John. Um, Perhaps the Patriots finding the solution to their Rob Gronkowski problem, and that's sort of sarcastic. But are they going the exact opposite way? They're, they've decided that the, the tight end position is no longer important, and they're going to make their offense built around everyone but the tight end because they're bringing in Ben Watson, who's 38, I believe. Tom Brady's going to be 42. They're combined 80 years old, which is um, somehow younger than me. What's going on with Ben Watson to the Pats? I mean, this whole thing is messed up because what you just said about did Belichick just wake up sometime this offseason and say, you know what, screw it, we're not going to use tight ends because that's what it seems like. You look at since Gronk retired, we have seen them sign Austin Safarian Jenkins. Then they gave like a hundred and fifteen thousand dollar signing bonus to some undrafted free agent. So totally unproven. That guy's Andrew Beck. And now they're talking to a guy who's been retired longer than Gronk. So like. None of these are the answer. None of these guys are going to replace the production that Gronk had. And, uh, you know, I wrote a trade article that was published Thursday and basically said that the Patriots should reach out to the Vikings and, and go after Kyle Rudolph. You know, there was some speculation. Sean wrote a landing spots spot for Kyle Rudolph and put the Patriots at the top. Uh, it just makes a lot of sense because none of these guys, unless the plan this year is to uh, steal Cliff Kingsbury's offense and go five wide, like the Patriots are going to need tight ends. It's a vital part of why they've been successful for so long. And, and I just don't see the tight ends on the roster. And, you know, Ben Watson returned to New England. Seems fun. I think he was a first-round pick in, like, 2004. So, you know, maybe his career comes full circle, but I don't think he's going to help them win any games. Sean, are you all worried about this? They have Philip Dorsett. They have Julian Edelman. They drafted uh, Nikhil Harry at the bottom of the first round. <laughs> oh, my God, I forgot. They signed it to Marys Thomas. They signed his undrafted free agent, Jacoby Myers, who's a really good receiver out of NC State, who's sort of a middle-of-the-field threat. So it seems like they're stocking their wide receiver core with guys who play in the middle of the field, except for Philip Dorsett, and just are they just hoping that the tight end thing goes away? Yeah, I mean, I think we spent, ever since Gronk was talking about how he might retire, we spent the entire offseason trying to figure out how they would replace him. We had so many people had them taking one of the Iowa tight ends in the draft, moving up for them. Or seems, any tight end. Right, right. It seems like everyone was like, every mock draft was like, Patriots find their Gronk replacement. And, like, it feels like they have realized right away, look, if Gronk retires, which he did, we can't replace him. He's Rob Gronkowski. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if the Patriots were like, we just need to move away from that avenue of attack. And we've seen the Patriots shift identities plenty of times in the past. I mean, we saw it most recently when they kind of went into that power running game in the playoffs. So it wouldn't surprise me if they're they're reading all these Kyle Rudolph stories. They're like, guys, we're not going to give up draft capital for an aging tight end. Like, that's just not the way we're going right now. And, yes, we look at their receiving group, and it has a couple of interesting players. But as, as Ryan said, there's not really that deep threat, really. 
the, the thing I look at, though, is their running backs. And it would not surprise me if we once again see them lean on that power running game. And also, Brady's going to check it down a million times to the running backs, and it's still going to work like it always does. So that's what I kind of feel like they're going to do. So they drafted Damian Harris in the third round, the running back to play alongside um, Josh Jacobs at Alabama. So he's a power runner. Um, John, did the Patriots draft more tight ends or punters last week? Uh, that answer would be punters because they didn't draft any tight ends. And here's the thing is talking about getting away from tight ends. It's just been a part of the offense for so long. We talked about how Ben Watson was a first round pick in 2004. He was there till 2009. And then Gronk came in 2010. So they've basically had a, an offense that revolves mostly uh, runs through a tight end for at least since 2004. So we're at 15 years. It's almost like I was running their war room last week because I'm literally the only guy alive who would have drafted more punters than tight ends in the Patriots situation. Apparently the two of you because the, the Patriots did it too. Um, <laughs> any other team did that, and we'd be crushing them. Like if the Steelers did that, like, you know, they got rid of AB and didn't draft a wide receiver and drafted three punters. I mean, it would be fire Mike Tomlin, of course. The difference is that Bill Belichick doesn't lose big games. Uh, by the way, um, our buddy Andy Benoit at SI.com spent three hours with um, your bo- your buddy Sean McVay in his house watching the um, the Super Bowl and, and trying to figure out what he would have done differently, Sean McVay, if he had to do over again. It's actually really interesting, but just to underline the point that um, in big moments, Bill Belichick does not disappear. Um, all right, what else we got here? Oh, keeper cut. So – I think our guy, Chris Trapasso, wrote this on the website. And um, it's about 12 veteran players who could be on the chopping block after the draft. We are now after the draft. Uh, we haven't seen you guys get cut yet, but we just saw Ziggy Ansa signed. And um, here's a couple of names throw out, throw out at you. Tell me what you think. Sean, LaShawn, <laughs> LeSean McCoy. I'm going to start calling you LeSean Wagner McGuff. Um, so the Bills part ways with, with Shady McCoy. He's uh, got a $9 million cap hit in 2019. They, they drafted Devin Singletary, who's sort of a shifty back out of FAU. I think he averaged like seven or eight yards carry last year. He's a good pass catcher out of the backfield and so on and so forth. I think Shady's probably 30, maybe a little older. And it seems like that offense isn't moving away from what Shady does, but they can do it cheaper and younger um, with the guys they have around Josh Allen. Any reason to keep Shady McCoy? And if, if not, I mean, any good landing spots other than the Patriots, is, which is where every veteran lands, it seems? I think they, I think they should keep them. So I think if you look at their cap space situation, it's pretty good. It's not like they need to cut guys and they're only saving two and a half million, uh, by cutting them against the cap. And I think LaShawn McCoy is worth that amount of money. And look, I, I know I like jokingly hate on Josh Allen, kind of jokingly, kind of not jokingly hate on Josh Allen. We don't know if he can throw the football. So I, and I know they've got a lot of running backs on that team. They also signed Frank Gore. Um, I think Chris Ivory is also there now. So they've got a lot of bodies there, which I think makes sense because this might be a really run-heavy team that relies on that defense again. Uh, I think the time to get rid of McCoy was last year, and I feel like we were writing about the Bills could trade LaShawn McCoy to a contender at midseason because the Bills weren't going anywhere anytime soon, and Brandon Bean kept coming out and talking about how he saw a fit for McCoy there beyond that year. So I don't think they will move him at all because I think the, the opportunity to do so was last year. And now all their leverage is gone if they were to try to trade him because he was terrible last year. Um, Chris Ivory has gone. TJ Yeldon has replaced TJ him. TJ Yeldon, okay. But, uh, again, they have four running backs uh, that, that are quote-unquote starter-level type guys. 
Uh, John, who's going to have a better year passing the ball, Sean's favorite player, Josh Allen, or Lamar Jackson? Wow, that is a fantastic question, Ryan. And here's the thing is I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson. I'm not even going to explain why. why. I, I just want to – I know Sean hates Josh Allen, and I just don't want him to get mad at me for picking Josh Allen because when Sean gets mad, is not a pretty sight. No one likes seeing it. He'll stop talking. When Sean gets angry, he gives you the silent treatment, and then we wouldn't hear him talk the rest of this podcast. So I'm going with Lamar Jackson. By the I, way, Sean is dressed like Tiger Woods for this podcast. <laughs> it, I'm not even joking. He has a his collared Nike shirt on, long sleeve, a Mariners hat. A little half sip. Tiger. A what? Got a little half sip too. What's that? It's like it's like Breach has a half sip on right now. What do you call it? Half slip? Half zip. A half pullover? Zip. Oh. Yeah, pullover. Come on, Lashawn. What's up? So, so uh, is Coast you, wait, wait, right, real quick. Do you think? You think Josh Allen will have a better passing season than Lamar Jackson? Yes. Yeah, I do. What, what are we? Let's let's make some sort of bet here. What are we? What's the metric we're using? Yards. Just <laughs> total yards. That's that's. I said uh, he. Will, I said he will throw for more yards. So that's yes. not a metric. Let's go with meters. <laughs> yeah, meters, <laughs> centimeters. Only if you will do the math to convert it. Yeah, metric or English, you can do the measurements. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, what do you want to do? Uh, I don't I even know like, what is the other like, match. Dumb, like dumb. one of the football outsiders, like who was more valuable as a passer. Oh, that's that's a whole other conversation. I was just interested. Well, that's also someone else's opinion. So, like, why would you go with no, it's a third? A it's, it's still a math formula that they're using. It's not like a pro football focus grade. Like, so it's the guy who doesn't do math. Well, I trust the people. Yeah, but someone do. had to create the formula, and and since one of us didn't create the formula, that means it's a third person opinion. Well, I'm giving Ryan the chance to opt in. I'm not forcing it upon him. I feel like oh, he uses we can do both. I think. I think uh, Josh Allen will throw for more yards. In terms of who's more valuable, I think probably Lamar because of the run. If you discount the run, I bet Josh is probably more valuable. Ryan, who is Josh Allen throwing to? Cole Beasley? Is, is Beasley having like 1,500 yards in this scenario? He's going to average Beasley, like six yards per catch, too. John Brown, Zay Jones, Robert Foster. Those are people. <laughs> they play football. Oh, they got Dawson Knox in the draft. Super raw. All right. This is this is Ryan talking himself into Bills overtaking yeah, really the Patriots. Talking even the Lamar Jackson. Um, all right. So, John, you mentioned uh, – moving on. We'll come back to this. We'll get Brinson on this because he'll have plenty of hot takes. You mentioned Kyle Rudolph earlier. Um, he's also – I thought when they drafted um, Irv Smith, the tight end out of Alabama in the second round, it's like, oh, this makes great sense. We talked about Gronk earlier. Gronk was also drafted with um, – Aaron Hernandez in that 2010 draft, and those guys were, were good for a couple of years. I thought Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith could give, you know, Kirby, um, Kirby Cousins, uh, two more options because he's pretty terrible. It's just the one that they had. But it sounds like they're thinking about moving on from him. Anyways, 2019 cap is 7.6 million. Would you trade him? Kyle Rudolph? Yeah. So here's the problem is that the Vikings literally have zero cap space. After they get all their draft picks under contract, if Rudolph is still on the team, they're going to have $800,000, give or take a few dollars, in salary cap space. Now, that's literally like having $3 in your checking account. Like, there's nothing you can do with it. There's no way to, to do anything that will make you happy. If someone were to get injured during training camp, like, you have $800,000. You can't go out and get a veteran. So you have to make a move here. I think that Rudolph is a good enough player that if you call up a team and say, look, we're so desperate to get rid of him to save this money, we'll give him to you for a fourth-round pick, I think any team would say yes. Because if you cut him, cutting him is just – he's got too much trade value to cut him. So I don't think that cutting him 
is the answer, but I do think the Vikings need to move on from him because $7.6 million is a ton of money, and all of that would instantly become available if they get rid of him, whether it's cut or trade. Yeah, but they have Thielen. They have Diggs. They now have Smith. I just feel like you can't have enough weapons. You have um, Dalvin Cook in the backfield. They draft some offensive linemen. Because if, if Rudolph stays and Kirby Cousins still stinks, then the problem is Kirby Cousins. Because I think I was at least willing to give him a pass last year. What do you think, Sean? I think they should restructure. I mean, obviously that would take what if he doesn't want Rudolph to? coming to the table. I think I read a story where there was he was potentially open to the idea. I agree with Breach. I, I I wouldn't cut him. I don't. I think he's too good to just set free. But I think trading him makes sense. My only problem with getting rid of him in any way, shape, or form is that you're going to expect a rookie tight end to come in and make an impact that he would have made. Tight end's a really hard position to play. You know, Bill Belichick always talks about it being the most similar to quarterbacks just in terms of knowing protection schemes and also knowing the routes. So I don't like the idea of a team, theoretically, that looks at itself as a Super Bowl contender, which is what the Vikings look at themselves as ever since they traded for Kirk Cousins. So I think they got to do everything to either keep them or you better get a good a good offer in the trade market. I can't wait till they cut them hands up on the Packers. All right, let's do one more. Um Philadelphia drafted J.J. Arcega-Whiteside out of Stanford. Are you a Stanford fan, Sean, or do you have to be a Cal fan? What? I I hate Stanford. Sean wasn't smart enough to get in Stanford. That's, that's also true. true. But but did I you also... like Stanford growing up? No, but my sister used to coach soccer at Stanford. She was the assistant. You still couldn't get in? Good lord! Well, I was no. That was before I, I went to Cal. So she actually left Stanford the year I went to Cal. So I was a Stanford fan in high school. And I used to have a lot of cool free Stanford gear. Yeah, but, Stanford's actually Cal. So, so that's why you love Tiger Woods, and that's why you dress like no, him. This no, all makes sense. I knew this now. was going to come up. That's why I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't Are like Stanford. Tiger Woods or Nota Begay fan. Both Stanford alums. Nota Begay the third. Nota Begay the third. Yeah, bigger Stanford. Uh, Tiger or Nota? Tiger. Fan? I like Nota. Um. Anyway, JJ Arcega Whiteside from your Stanford Cardinal. Not plural, Sean. They drafted him in the second round. He's actually a really good receiver. He's big, but Nelson Aguilar could be the the person, the odd man out. $9.3 million cap hit. He had a rough few years. I think he came on last year was sort of his best season. Uh, is that a guy you're moving on from? They have Alshon Jeffrey. They got Deshaun Watson back. Deshaun Watson. Deshaun um, <laughs> Jackson back. Um, they have Tyler, uh, the Zach Ertz, obviously. I don't know if Nelson makes sense to keep around. I don't. I think they tried to trade him. I think those were the reports before the draft. He obviously didn't happen. Uh, Sean, are you keeping him or letting him go? Uh, I'm keeping him again, just because I just we look at rookie wide receivers. It's really difficult for them to make an impact that we've seen over the last few years. I think if you're talking about his comparison, he's not like um, Nelson Aguilar. Nelson, the reason Nelson Aguilar has come on recently is because. He's been moved to the slot and has been a lot better there. I think he's actually much more, more like of an Alshon. 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 Yeah, taking the words literally oh, out sorry. of my mouth that I probably took from you from watching on HQ. He's much more like Alshon Jeffrey. So that, that to me honestly made the pick a little bit more confusing uh, because they already have an older, yes, more expensive version of that. But I don't know if we're going to, we should expect to see him make that much of an impact this year. If anything, You'd have to look at Alshon Jeffrey's contract, but maybe this is the Jeffrey replacement in a year or two. Hey, John, I don't know if you have anything on Nelson, but I did want to ask you. There's some conversation in recent days about who deserves the big contract. I think they were talking about it on Canel and Bell. Carson Wentz 
who presumably would throw him passes, and Nelson Aguilar or Dak Prescott, who is due a lot of money. And I think Jerry Jones said last year that he's going to get paid like a franchise quarterback. I think Stephen Jones said recently that he wants Dak to work with him, quote unquote, which is a weird thing to say when you're about to pay your quarterback. Um, so sort of like the Josh Allen versus Lamar Jackson, who deserves the bigger deal, Carson or, or Dak? I hate this debate because it's impossible, and I'm going to offend Dubin, our resident Cowboys fan. But I'm going to say that Carson Wentz, because I think the Cowboys offense is so, like it runs mostly through Ezekiel Elliott. I, I think that the quarterback there can be more interchangeable. Uh, and obviously, I know everyone's thinking, well, we pulled out Carson Wentz and put Nick Foles in and won a Super Bowl, but. Carson Wentz got to the playoffs. He was 11 and two as a starter. If Nick Foles has been had been starting the whole season, I don't think the Eagles win the Super Bowl. Uh, so if I am, man, now I'm just talking myself out loud, and 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 now <laughs> I want to put back the deck. I don't even know what to do. I, you know what? Carson Wentz had too much too much injuries. I'm I'm, I'm flipping the deck. I changed <laughs> oh, my mind. Lord. Give Dak. The I, money. I agree. I, I was I was prepared to make that argument that <laughs> when they're both healthy. I think you take Wentz every single time. That's right. But I don't think you could ignore Wentz's injury history at this point. And Dak wow. has been the model of being healthy. He hasn't missed a single game. I don't think. We injury. have three people that are on the Dak train. We got to get Cody Benjamin on the phone to hear his defense of Carson Wentz. But Carson can't stay healthy. To get mad at us for all picking Dak. Why would he get mad about that? Just he just probably thinks that he probably is just lower on Dak than we are because he's an actual Cowboys oh, fan. No, that's that's right. He is the Cowboys version of uh of our boss as is to the Giants. Exactly, and, and, and it's not like it's just Wentz is back. It, it, he's just like injury prone. When he was in college, uh, he missed the final eight weeks of North Dakota state season because he broke his wrist. And I know that's not the same thing as like dealing with a back injury, but it is, there is a pattern there of just, you keep getting injured and missing substantial time. And I just don't know that you can invest in that. So thanks for helping me talk myself out of Carson Wentz. So wait, he didn't play in the game where you were in the hotel room crying by yourself when they beat Jackson state. (laughs) He did play in that game. That was his first game back since I think November. So he played in November, broke his wrist, uh, missed a few games, and obviously there's nothing. Go- he missed the entire D one AA playoffs. Uh, they had another starter going, and then his first game back was the national title game that season. Which yes, I was at watching Carson Wentz because my wife goes to Jacksonville State. That's the team they were playing, and that was the Bengals Steelers playoff game night. And we can, we have a Man, whole off season, and you guys are still together. You that could be a separate podcast. Night. By the way, I can't believe I'm saying this, but. And this will sound hot takey or whatever. I feel like the team that honestly has a chance to be good in the NFC East and take control of the division now has a chance. I'm not saying they will. Is the Redskins in a, in a large part because they have a quarterback on their rookie deal, and all of this depends on if Dwayne Haskins ends up being good, which who knows. And their two biggest competitors, because let's face it, the Giants aren't really a competitor in this sense. Their two biggest competitors, the Eagles and Cowboys, are gonna have to suddenly commit a huge amount of their cap. Two quarterbacks that we're not sure entirely deserve, you know, 30 million a year or however much they're going to get, which suddenly makes it harder for the Eagles and Cowboys who have been able to, you know, have, you know, sign players because they have cheap players on their rookie contracts. They're not going to be able to do that anymore. So I think if Dwayne Haskins ends up being good, it's going to be the Redskins all of a sudden who have that advantage of the quarterback on the rookie deal. And, you know, their two biggest competitors don't have that advantage anymore. That's actually not even a terrible take. Um, 
I think it just matters. Uh, the nicest like, thing Ryan said to me. I it just depends on how soon they get Dwayne Haskins out there, and as if Sean points out, whether he's good or not. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the moves Super Bowl contenders need to make to make it to the Super Bowl. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. All right, we're back. We talked about the Seahawks a little earlier in the show. I My super red hot take was that they could be the best team in that division. Everyone agreed with me. There were no concerns at all. I think Sean said that Kyler Murray is going to go 12-4, and four, but they would still lose to the Seahawks. So mark that down. <laughs> uh, Actually, I read the article about the Seahawks, what they need to do, three things. One was sign an edge rusher. I'm glad Pete Carroll listened to me because they did that, and they signed again. So, Find a reliable intermediate target was something else uh, I talked about because they have um, Tyler Lockett. They drafted DK Metcalf. They drafted Gary Jennings, who's a slot receiver, a big slot. So he can run those intermediate routes. But as Sean points out, sometimes rookie receivers struggle. What about the idea of someone like Michael Crabtree to run his 5-4-40 in the middle of the field and just to give Russell Wilson one more weapon? Anyone disagree with that? No, I like I it. it. Yeah, I would love to hate it because we've been agreeing this entire podcast, but it's not a horrible take, Ryan. Thank you. Sean? No, I like it. I think you could throw in a lot of other – there's a lot of guys out there, I feel like, in free agency, Pierre Garcon, too, who – I mentioned um, Pierre in the piece. What about uh, Dez, who's running now from his Achilles injury? No. Did you see him almost tear his Achilles in his first video back from tearing his Achilles? <laughs> I, miss, I miss that part. What is his timeline for return? I don't Never. know. When, he must have torn it late in the season. Didn't yeah. he sign late with the Saints? Yeah. They signed, like, Brandon Marshall and him late in the season, and none of them did anything. Because Manny Sanders tore his Achilles around that same time, and Manny says he's running full speed now, but he's not 100%. So I'm guessing by training camp they'll be ready to go. He did it in, like, his first practice. Did he even play in a game with them? No, it was no, it was literally no, his first practice. No, he didn't play. Yeah, it was, it was after the trade deadline, so it was early November. November. Debo looked yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would like Des there. I think because if if what Brian's saying is correct, which I agree, that they need that possession type of guy. They don't need the home run threat. And Doug Baldwin's done for all intents and purposes. That, like. And that is a kind of locker room who, if you buy into the Dez, is a distraction bad bad for the locker room. That's a locker room I feel like well-equipped 
to deal with Dez and his personality. Pete Carroll's been there forever. He knows how to run that locker room. Russell Wilson, after, you know, getting the contract, is that undisputed guy there. Bobby Wagner's still around. So that doesn't feel like it would be – the distraction thing doesn't seem like it would be an issue. I agree. And um, further fuel to the fire, I might Seahawks win the Super Bowl run. Uh, Sean, you wrote about the Falcons. They're 30-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. The Seahawks, by the way, are 25-1. to 1. Ooh, that's not bad. Yeah, so three things. Number one, reach a long-term agreement with Grady Jarrett. Yeah, well, That's I think – Bowl problems? Well, the problem right now is that if you're writing these pieces about moves teams can still make and you go to available cap space, like the Vikings, the Falcons have almost no available cap space, which is also why they got rid of their kicker this offseason to save a bunch of money, which also could be a problem later. So if you sign Grady Jarrett to a long-term deal, you can probably structure it in such a way that he no longer carries a $15 million cap hit this season, which he'd be slated to be, I think, the second most expensive player on the roster behind Matt Ryan. And if you can free up from some cap space, I think this is a roster that could use another either, you know, defensive tackle on the interior. I know throughout uh, mock draft season, a lot of people, at least I had them taking maybe a defensive tackle to pair with uh, Grady Jarrett inside. I don't know if they can get Ndamukong Sue, but Corey Liggett is still there in free agency. So I think for them, after injuries decimated their season, I think the key is freeing up some cap space and maybe just signing some depth guys you know, to be there in case they suffer another wave of injuries. Yeah, all right. So you basically touched on the three things you wrote about. I feel like the Falcons are long shots in that division. I mean, we're talking about the Panthers. We're talking about the Saints, obviously. Falcons was 7-9 last year. I guess they could turn it around. I'm just not sold on that team. John, do you have any different feelings? Well, I would like to call out Sean for throwing his boy Giorgio Tavecchio under the bus. I know. I didn't even mention he went so to So this Cal, guy too. is a former Cal kicker. He's currently the Falcons kicker. Uh, and this was the third part of Sean's three things to improve. Uh, apparently, Sean doesn't think five for five is good enough to earn a spot in the NFL. Giorgio did not miss a single kick with the Falcons last season, and yet Sean here is trying to replace him and kicking on a baseball field out in Oakland during your first season as a kicker is slightly different than kicking in a dome, Sean. Let me uh, let me ask you this, Breach. What year did my boy Giorgio uh, graduate from Cal? 2012, 2013, something like that. What year was his first regular season in the NFL? Uh, 2017. What? Why was he, if he's so good? Why was he unsigned for that many years? Well, because there's only 32 spots. He went to the Raiders training camp multiple times. He wasn't going to beat out Sebastian Janikowski. It was a free paycheck well, for made, a while, it, and well, the Raiders invited him. Different team. The Raiders invite because there was no. I'll tell you why. Because teams he's don't not that like good. teams don't like signing left-footed kickers. I just it don't just, think he's that Not good. everybody can hold for a left-footed kicker. That was the only reason the Raiders would bring him into camp is because they had Janikowski and they didn't have to sw- – they could give – they didn't want to wear his leg because he's so old. Bring in Giorgio, kicks the left-footed kicks. You don't have to teach or hold or anything new. And it's really hard to hold for a left-footed Ryan, kicker, so it changed Ryan, the whole dynamic. Ryan just can't believe this has turned into another kicker podcast on this watch. You guys uh, know that, that's, actually a, that's actually a fair point about the left-footed stuff. I will say, though, if he was a really good kicker, he would have been in the NFL. Uh, no, he's not Justin Tucker. I think there's Justin Tucker, and then there's everybody else. It's all. I think team. he's worse than Matt Bryant. Matt Bryant. I'm not going to argue that. Well, well that's all. Matt that's Bryant. all I was pointing out is they got worse at kicker this offseason because their cap space situation was so dire, and Matt Bryant was owed a few million. Sean, two things. Number one, um, Breach is extremely close to Georgia. I think they're actually boys, aren't you? 
Isn't that true, John? <laughs> I don't know if we're boys, but what year did he actually graduate? He just told you, 2012, I, 2013. Okay, so I was yeah, there. one of the two. I'm not sure. I think so. I was there for his final season. He played with Jared Goff for a season, I think. And number yeah, two, yeah. breach. If Georgia really wanted to kick in the NFL, he'd learn to kick right-footed. Everyone knows that. <laughs> uh, all right, John, did you write about the Vikings? I did. Eight seven and one last year. There's somehow twenty five to one odds to win the Super Bowl, which sounds insane. We've talked already about tra- uh, trading Kyle Rudolph. They added depth to the offensive line. Interestingly, Sean, here's what John's yeah. third point is: sign a kicker to compete with and or replace Dan Bailey. Clearly, breach is not boys with Dan Bailey. So well, let me just so say, here- I didn't say upgrade over Dan Bailey because it's not that easy to just upgrade. Sign a kicker to compete with Giorgio would have been the friendlier way to put it, Sean. Why do you hate Giorgio? But I'm not – look, because I'm a Cal fan, and I don't believe any Cal football player is actually good. Now – Taking this, a shot at Aaron Rodgers now. My God, this podcast yeah, is – Aaron Rodgers is – Sean hating Aaron Didn't we argue about this like a week ago? Yeah, Sean, let, let John make his point. Quit interrupting you, him. You, you asked me, and Breach interrupted. <laughs> what do you <laughs> – then Sean now I'm getting finished. yelled at for interrupting? Like, Settle down, this? Tiger Woods. Sean, you finish because I'll go into why I put what I did for the Vikings. Oh, no, it's fine because I was just going to make a joke about Giorgio, but now we've already kind of – that ship has sailed. So I think I think I've lost my mic tone. Put me on mute. Uh, <laughs> all right. So obviously we talked everything about the Kyle Rudolph trade. The Vikings, you can't make a list of three moves that they can make unless you get rid of Kyle Rudolph because they don't have any money. So the move has to be get rid of Kyle Rudolph. So we have him – being traded away in this situation, freeing up $7.6 million. Sean, you – I just I, – I hadn't read your story, if I'm being honest, and now I, now that I've read it. You think they should call Cody Parkey? Are you kidding me? Did no, you see no, what no. he just did? Have you seen the Vikings history at kicker? Why would they sign Cody Parkey? That would be a disaster. That is totally taking my article out of context, and now I will get back to my explanation. So, all right. The Vikings' offensive line was basically trash last season. I think we all knew that. I think the Vikings knew that because they got rid of, like, everyone. They got let Nick Easton, they let Tom Compton, two guys, walk in free agency. They cut Mike Remmers, so they're going to have a completely revamped offensive line. Uh, they need to beef that up. And I know Ryan mentioned that people just need to go after Donald Penn, maybe the Seahawks. There are tackles out there who are available, and I think the, the, the Vikings need to look for one. Obviously, the Seahawks probably – could stand to add some depth too. So Vikings go out, sign a tackle. Third thing to increase their Super Bowl chances is bring in a kicker to compete with Dan Bailey. And I think if they bring in literally anyone, that person will win a competition with Dan Bailey. And here's the thing I will say is that Bailey was the second most accurate kicker in NFL history two years ago. So all NFL history, second most accurate kicker. Then he injured his groin in the middle of 2017 season, and he has just fallen apart since then. We saw the Cowboys cut him in September last year. It shocked everyone, but now we see why, because he's just not that good anymore. And I'll throw out real quick that uh, since his injury, he has only hit 70% of his field goals, 70. And before his injury, he hit 90%. That is a huge drop-off for just in the 18 months since his injury. And no, Sean, I don't think they should sign Cody Parkey. I think they should sign Matt Bryant. Oh, God. And because it's in the Dome. I don't think Matt Bryant could kick out towards this point. He's 44. He doesn't need that. His back will probably start aching if he wakes up at the wrong side of the bed and has to play outdoors. 
But if Matt Bryant is unwilling to play for them, I think they call Cody Parkey and they say, Cody, this is revenge games, man. You get to play the Bears two times per year. Just don't hit the uprights. No double doinkers. Uh, so Cody Parkey is the backup to the backup plan. All right, so listen, let's go on to the 49ers, and here's the most striking thing about the 49ers. They went 4-12 last year. That's not a surprise, but they are 25-1 to 1 odds to win the Super Bowl, just like the Vikings, just like the Seahawks, better than the Falcons. Breach mentioned earlier in the podcast that if they go 8-8, uh, eight and eight, that would be a surprise. It could be a team to watch. So here are the three things. Did you write this, Sean, or did Dubin write it? I got it. Oh, four things. Way to go, Sean. You added an extra. I, I took the extra step. Extra credit. Yeah, just so you could get Robbie Gold in there, of course. Sign Eric Barry. Um, you're off on a bad start. I don't know if he fixes anything. <laughs> Go ahead. Wait, wait, wait. This is a secondary that is dreadful. Uh, and look, pro football focus isn't the end-all, be-all. It's not the, you know, they're not everything. But they were the last-ring secondary, according to pro football fo- focus. Richard Sherman is probably their best player in that secondary, and he missed a lot of games last year with being injured. He's old. He's coming off a torn Achilles as well two years ago. So I think there's a risk that you could lose him. The 49ers have the third amount of available cap space in the league. So we we were talking on Monday's podcast to think about how the Browns should just – or the Colts should just throw money at at these players because they have so much cap space and it's, they're likely to be one-year deals without long-term consequences. That's how I kind of feel about the 49ers. If they actually buy themselves as Super Bowl contenders, which they probably well, do – Okay, but there's an, there's a guy who's played in three or four games in three years. And I like the signing because it was cheap and there's no risk attached to it. And if he is healthy, great. But that's that secondary is just terrible. And I won't shoot down Sean's idea only because in my trade article, I said the 49ers should trade for Chris Harris because Ooh. they do need to do something in the secondary. And maybe Eric Berry isn't going to help a lot, but I do think he's at least a slight step up from what the 49ers have. Yeah, sign Eric Berry and trade for Chris Harris. Now, now you're on to something. Well, All right. number two was sign another corner. And, well, John, and I, I like the idea trade of trading for Chris Harris. Harris, but if they want to go the cheaper right, cheaper route, someone like Morris Claiborne, oh. um, I think could be. Look, he's not a star. No one's saying that. But have you seen the other 49ers cornerbacks outside of Richard Sherman? They are terrible. Sean, this was turn them into a Super Bowl contender, not tear the team apart. <laughs> well, they need to tear the their secondary part. They got to tear out every single person except Richard Sherman and send in some new guys. That's what I think about the 49ers. Why would they? And that's why I don't think the 49ers are good enough to win the Super Bowl or even win the division like we were talking about. That you shouldn't, you shouldn't have read this article, Sean. That's well, false advertising. So listen, number three, <laughs> adept at linebacker. They signed Quan Alexander to a huge deal. They have Fred Warner. Who are they signing? Oh, like a Nick Perry, Derek Morgan, someone – you know, I think. Oh, an edge rusher. Yeah, I just I think they need another body there, and I think the loss of uh, Ruben Foster hurts them. I think the 49ers' defense, the strength is clearly a defensive line, and I, they don't need to do anything there. Uh, but if you look at also Quan Alexander's injury history, he's coming off a torn ACL. He missed a few games a year before. I think just adding depth at the position. I'm not advocating for them to sign or go out and get one of these great players, uh, but there's some unsigned guys out there who, you know, Jamie Collins wasn't just an edge rusher in Cleveland. And granted, he also did not play nearly as well as he played in New England, maybe because of that switch. But I think just getting another body in there, it's not like Malcolm Smith is this great outside linebacker. All right. And since this, this has been the um, special teams podcast this week, make your 30-second argument for keeping Robbie Gold. Oh, I, I, I kicking matters in the NFL. And look, Breach said That's earlier right. that there's the Justin Tucker and then there's – everyone else type of tier. I think there's a tier 
in between everyone else, in between Justin Tucker, and I think Gold's in that tier. Um, so I keep him because kicking matters. Just ask the Bears about how much kicking matters. He's made 88% of field goals in his career, 96 and a half since he left Soldier Field. Um, so that's the kind of kicking you're going to get out of him. That said, I think it's incredibly foolish if the Bears were to be dumb enough to offer like a third-round pick or something. I think you just have to take it, and then you can just go sign and have it to competition because – at the end of the day, if you're getting a mid-round pick for a 36-year-old kicker who's going to cost $5 million, that's great business. And let me just say real quick that that is it. Sean hit the nail on the head there. If I'm the 49ers, I literally just call up the Bears and I say, look, if you guys want Robbie Gold, it's going to take a third-round pick. If you do it, he's yours, and that's it. Hang up the phone. If they call back, fine. If they don't, you keep Robbie Gold. All right, so let's uh, talk about the Cowboys. After you listen to this podcast on Friday, go to the website and read about the Cowboys, what they need to do to, to win a Super Bowl. I don't. When was the last time they won a Super Bowl? Was that in the 1995. Yeah, Super Bowl 30, you. Ryan. You should remember that because it was against the Steelers when your boy Neil O'Donnell threw the game. Oh, that's right. Good Lord. That was so long ago I was in college. Well, wow, I Brown. was three. And Sean was three. Uh, a precocious little butthole. Uh, all right, anyway, so <laughs> Breach, what is one thing that the Cowboys need to do that we should uh, maybe expect to see Dubin write about on Friday to take them from uh, – Perpetual has been to finally make into the Super Bowl and making Jared Jones very happy. Now, we'll say this real quick that we have no idea what Dubin's going to write. So this is our own. We're not using his ideas. We don't know what's going to be in his story. So we what we what we unless, say might unless be he takes our ideas and that, that's true. Took them. Uh, but then he would have to wait for this podcast to come out tomorrow and then write his story that's due tomorrow tomorrow, which probably wouldn't make sense, Sean. But it would be anyway, just here is my one throw. thing. We'll just go around the go around the horn and each give one thing. I think they need to add a safety. I think you have Eric Berry, Trey Boston both out there. This team clearly needs safety help. I think that's their biggest uh, need on defense. There are safeties available. I don't know why they haven't made a move. Someone in Dallas, make a move. Someone get Jerry Jones' flip cell phone. Call up Eric Berry and say, hey, man, we'll offer you more money than the 49ers because Sean wants the 49ers on Eric Berry. Get a safety. Sean? Sign a better backup quarterback, and that's not like a sexy type of move, but we were just talking about how Dak Prescott has managed to stay healthy. Kind of has bailed out the lack of a quarterback backup plan um, in Dallas. They had, uh, what's his name? Who's the offensive coordinator now? Why am I blanking? The Boise State? uh, Kellen Moore? Yeah, the the Boise State quarterback. Yeah, they had him for a while, which is like, look, if they're already talking about how you're going to be the next coach while you're the player, that probably means you're not a very good player. Right now they have Cooper Rush. I like. There's not many good free agent quarterbacks available. The Jaguars just cut uh, Cody Kessler. Maybe that's the guy you bring in. I just think at some point Dak Prescott, who does run a bit, a bit, is not going. He's going to take a shot and he's going to miss a, a game or two, whether it's just a concussion or something like that. I think you need a better backup plan who can keep the show, uh, ship afloat. Um, if if Prescott were to miss a game or two. So the Cowboys actually drafted a couple of uh, running backs, which I think makes sense, sort of to your point about having depth. So that's good news for Zeke Elliott, but they did not draft the tight end, and that was sort of a big talking point. So they have Jason Witten, who's 35, I think. Uh, he's somehow gone bald <laughs> since doing Monday Night Football. His wig fell off. I don't think he's going to be anything more than a blocking back at this point. I don't know what to expect from Blake Jarwin, from Rico Gathers, the former basketball player, I believe, and Dalton Schultz. I was sort of surprised they didn't draft a guy. 
Uh, Benjamin Watson's now off the market, so they can't take him. I don't know what plan B is, but I feel like we talked about getting a reliable middle-of-the-field threat for uh, Russell Wilson. I feel like Dak Prescott would also benefit from that, so uh, that could be something to look into. Um, but go ahead. I was just going to say, it sounds like at the tight end position, the Cowboys really need to pull a rabbit out of their head, in the words of Jason Witten. Thanks for interrupting me. You make that terrible. In my defense, I thought you were just done talking. No, I was going to say, I was going to segue into saying that the Cowboys don't have a chance anyway because you're picking the Redskins to win the division. John, who's your favorite in the NFC East? Then we'll get out of here. Uh, not the Cow. I picked the Cowboys to win it last year. I just would like everyone to know that. And then they want it. I'm going to be on the Eagles bandwagon this year, I think. But don't I, tell Cody Benjamin. I was going to say Eagles before Breach said it, but now that Breach said it and he has a history of. You said the Redskins already. I said they have a chance in the future. That doesn't mean this year. I don't know if Dwayne Haskins is good. Ryan just loves putting words in my mouth. That's like <laughs> It's funny, too, because he does it on a podcast where people have just heard me saying these things, and then he <laughs> pretends like no one was listening. It'd be one thing if I was saying these things off, off camera, but people heard me say these but things. But sometimes we talk off it. camera. Yeah, and you lied then, too. In, in Ryan's defense. Uh, anyway, that's it for this podcast. Thank God. Shock Wait, who are you picking? Uh, don't worry about it. You have to come back next next podcast to find out. But what wow, I was going to say is... What a teaser. Yeah, it's a teaser. <laughs> so listen, Brinson has one more day when you're listening to this at Disney World. We haven't gotten any selfies yet, so make sure you get a selfie with Brinson. Send it to us on the Twitter machines. Uh, don't harass his daughter, uh, his his uh, wife and his son. Just, just Brinson. His daughter. Yeah, well, we'll find out about that later. And um, <laughs> meanwhile, he'll be back Monday, I suppose. So he'll be... Uh, Back in the driver's seat for the Pick 6 Podcast. Thank you, guys, and we'll talk next week.